Ladies and gentlemen of the podcast, I got a little bit of a beef for you. Um, Father Anthony, uh, you know, is a very busy man. As an assistant, you know, he's obviously busier than a pastor who also is, you know, doing a PhD, trying to do a book promotion. Um, obviously, he's, he is much busier than I am. And so because of that, I have to carry the weight yet again this week. Yet again. And so because of him, I've had to bring in outside help this week. And so I've brought in my friend, uh, Matthew Tan, who is a theologian uh, from Australia, who I've gotten to know through Twitter. We got to meet a couple of years ago, just before the pandemic, right? Just before the pandemic hit. And, uh, and we've been great, good friends ever since. And so welcome to the podcast, Matthew. Oh, thank you very much, Father Harrison. It's, it's always nice to be the cheap Asian labor for a podcast. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that wasn't is, racist at all. <laughs> but you can say that because you're of Asian. course I can. You That's are so fact, racist, and, and, but you're also you're kind of an awkward Asian, right? Absolutely, absolutely unawkward. <laughs> I think you think. I I think yes. Not awkward at all. Not no. Like now. No. This not, is not now. awkward. This, this no. is not awkward. At all. <laughs> uh, no. no. So Matt. Matt. Uh, I got to know Matt through through Twitter um, initially. Me and Tom and you, we kind of started kind of engaging on Twitter, but then we mm-hmm. got to hang out uh, IRL in uh, in Australia when I went down mm-hmm. for the uh, anthropology conference at Notre Dame, and mm-hmm. uh, and it's just and yeah, we 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 get together. You, me, and Tom get together for some Zoom meetings once in a while. And you also uh, so tell the people who you are, uh, what you do. Um, you 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 used to work, for example, for a former guest of the podcast. Uh, his I did. His Excellency, the Umbers. I did. But anyway, did. tell people who you are, what you do, mm-hmm. what you're, what you're, what you, give your spiel. Okay. So, um, hello, everyone. My name is Matthew Tan. I used to work for um, uh, the excellent uh, Bishop Richard Umbers, uh, but now I uh, work as an academic dean in a, a seminary called Viani College, which is part of a rural diocese called the Diocese of Wagga Wagga um, here in New South Wales. That sounds like a fake name. It does sound like a fake name, especially when you um, include all the other, um, you know, uh, all the other places that I'm, you know, also uh, part of, you know, places like Gobbagombolin, Baruma, um, <laughs> Kudamandra. <laughs> Whenever I hear Wagga Wagga, I can't help but think of of of, of Fonzie uh, from uh, from the Muppets. Waka 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 waka. <laughs> it does sound it does sound like a fuzzy joke, isn't it? Do it. Do it is. It's like it's like if if, if Fonzie, Fonzie was was a was a New Yorker, like Waga Waga. It it does actually. I tell you a funny story. Um, so. Part of my biography is that I, I um, spent a couple of years studying in Rome, and I was walking uh, along one end of St. Peter's Square to another. And this just so happened to coincide with um, the American bishops at Limina. Mm-hmm. So I saw two bishops um, walking from the other side, um, walking towards me, and I was we were walking in um, opposite directions. And just as we crossed each other, I heard one say to the other, so have you heard of this diocese called Wagga Wagga? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to stop, but I actually wa- had to go to class, so I actually rushed off. <laughs> I didn't say anything, you actually unfortunately. Your, you actually it, went to your classes? It is one of my deepest, deepest regrets in life. That's amazing. That is, that's actually really <laughs> awesome. That's really awesome. So um, what, what, what was, what, what, tell, what, what's your kind of specialty in, in theology and stuff like that? Um, if I had a, a specialty, if I had to put a name to it, it would probably be um, theology and postmodern culture. So a lot of my um, work deals with um, aspects of popular culture. Um, I have done um, a, a book on um, theology and zombies, um, lately, I've been publishing a few works on theology and anime, um, and I've also been um, doing a bit of research and writing in the area of digital theology, theology mm-hmm. and the internet. 
Cool. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that in a minute here. I think because that's mm-hmm. going to be uh, this. We, we uh, Matt and I and Tom, we had a one of our kind of I don't know. Every two or three months, we get together on Zoom and catch up and talk theology and and all that stuff. And uh, Matt and I ended up talking for like an hour afterwards. And like this would be like mm-hmm. really good podcast content. This could have been an episode. We should yeah. have, we should have recorded our, our conversation that night. Um, but um, yeah, for me, just for the listeners. Uh, I remember Matt's talk at the anthropology conference on oh, gee, pornography. Yes. On pornography. Yes, even I forgot that one. <laughs> and so Matt has a very beautiful, dry, subtle humor that if you don't catch it, um, it it's amazing. So there he is. He gave me this talk on pornography. And and listen, folks, for those who don't know, like uh, my British side ha- loves crude humor. I, I just love it. And there's like four or five times I start laughing and I'm the only person in the room laughing. And I'm like, nobody got his joke. Nobody got his joke. And I'm like, this is hilarious. So I kind of start to kind of keep it in the inside, but it was, it was actually, it was such a good talk. And I remember like walking away like, man, that, that those insights were just, just so good. And they were so interesting. So, um, and, and if you've ever listened to catching foxes, uh, there was an episode where they were kind of riffing off your talk on acedia. Yeah, that's right. That's right. right. That, they was found, they, that was a couple yeah. of years back now. Last year, I think, wasn't it? Or maybe it could have been last year. I forget now. I remember I just remember them. I'm like, I know, I know Matt, guys. So, like, come on. They should have just had you on. <laughs> you see, I'm I'm a good host. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. People I want to talk, I want to hear them talk, I bring them on. That's right. And for that, your reward will be great in heaven. Excellent. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So priesthood is nice. Yeah, priesthood is nice, but it's really the following through with the uh, guest episodes. Excellent. Yes. Which mm-hmm. reminds me, there's a couple of people I still promise to bring on as guests that I have to do this <laughs> too. So, I got ADHD. Sometimes you're just like whatever's in front of you. That's what you do. Um, yeah. But yeah. So no. Um, what we want to do today is we want to talk about theology and the internet because um, mm. for those who may remember, a few weeks ago we did a, a little kind of riff and conversation around nfts and and online community and how it's lived out amongst catholics and this brought up uh, and this started a conversation between matt and i uh, last week when we were talking about this and i said that we need the church needs is a theology of the internet Mm -hmm. we need a theology of the digital world and, and that we need to start developing a kind of metaphysics a metaphysical framework around how we understand this so that we can start to approach this properly. And in our conversations, Matt had a lot of really interesting insights around the notion of, actually, maybe this might be a good place to start, because um, I was trying to talk about the experience of um, place, if you will, in the digital mm, sphere, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. And how it's the way, the phrasing I used, um, and I, and I, Forgetting some of the stuff you talk, we talked about, so I want you to correct me on, on this. But I remember the phrasing I used. I said that it's a real space, but it's not localized, right? This was mm. my like, kind of language of this, right? Kind of like the Eucharist. It's really present, but it's not localized presence. You know, it's uh, <laughs> um, um, that it, yeah. that you're really there, and there's really a reality there, mm. but it's not. You're not in it fully yourself. Like just like as we're talking right now, we're not in the same room. No, but there's right. a presence mm-hmm. that's being made manifest through this technology. And mm-hmm. so this notion of place, I think, is really important when it comes to how we, we how we really, in a way, understand how we react with our embodiedness in the digital sphere. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I think um, the jump off point for that was, uh, uh, if I remember correctly for in the chat, the jump off point for that was um, uh, actually your not your latest episode, just the one before where you talked about why, um, you know, why you find certain um, online um, online forums where Catholics are involved. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. incredibly aggressive. And I believe, I think the line right. you said yeah, yeah, yeah. was, was that you don't, uh, you know, part of the issue why they are so, of why they are so aggressive is because um, uh, you didn't think, or rather you thought that many Catholics think that the internet is not a real place. Yes, that's or it, words that's to it. that yes. effect. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. And yes. I remember, I, I distinctly remember um, hearing that. And and in my in my mind, I was um, I was kind of going, no, 
no. <laughs> but I, I was only after we 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 chatted that we um you know that we clar- started clarifying the terms and right. and things of that nature. And it, oh, you know, the second, way you second. sorry, yeah. wait, you you disagreed with the priest? Oh yes, how dare I? I I forgot. I forget you're a priest sometimes. And you forget oh. this is clerically speaking. Everything I say is gospel. Yes. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Continue. Sorry. How how could I? How dare I? I? <laughs> I'm sorry. And for, for for those who can't see the video, I'm I am bowing profusely. <laughs> sorry, I'm I interrupted sorry. you. I'm sorry. I interrupted. That's okay. I interrupted. No, no, that's okay. Um. So where was I? Oh yes. So um. Yeah. So one of the 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 uh. I guess after the chat, we uh. We kind of, you know, clarified certain terms, and I think we started to to think along the same lines. And one mm-hmm. of the things that I think got the the real, um, you know, lively chat going was the idea that it's. I don't think it's actually a case that um, that Catholics do not think that the internet is a real place, mm-hmm. but rather that I I do think that they think that it's a real place. But they are taking it way too seriously. That's the the simple version of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what we what we did was to um, start riffing off a um, riffing off a, 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 a social theorist, but a Jesuit social theorist um, named Michel de Certeau, mm-hmm. um, who came up with these two terms to describe how uh, how we occupy, you know. Uh, places and spaces, right? So he uses the term place and space, mm-hmm. um, where place is a kind of posture towards space where you try and control it, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it, it's a surveyable, controllable space, and um, in the, when you tr- want to try and control the space, everything is seen as a threat, mm-hmm. um, and because everything is seen as a threat you can only respond to those threats in an aggressive manner. Um, and I, and I, uh, and then of, uh, just to complete the, the, the thread, the other, um, in contrast to, to place, you have the idea, uh, in contrast to space, I mean, sorry, mm-hmm. you have the, uh, uh, idea of place and place, um, is a much more intimate, um, engagement with the space around you right um so you know, a much more intimate uh, uh, engagement with the space around you and in the process of that um intimacy right one of the things that you relinquish is this urge to control hmm. and part of the reason why um you relinquish the urge to control is because you the the, the this posture of place works off the idea that you realize that the, the space is not yours in the first place. Even if it's not yours in the first place, it's not yours to control. It's something that is given to you. And so if it's given to you, all you can do is um, occupy you know, the, the, that, that particular place that is not yours right, with a posture of, of playful reception. Now, as you're talking about this, one idea mm-hmm. that's kind of hitting me, I had it in a way too, is even the word space and place, mm. at least in its more like lived form, mm-hmm. space has a more confining characteristic to it, it seems. Mm. Right? Like, like, like if I think like, I'm, you know, the space of my house or something like that, like it, 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 it's often got dimensions and qualities and quantities to it, while place yes. is a much more abstract term, Right. Sorry, just a yeah. thing. I think there was a. I think I, uh, I. I. I may have made a mistake in actually laying out the terms. I. Be, I should have. What I should have said was that space is the. Um, uh, is the place that you control, and yes. place yeah. is the more intimate um, engagement with the space around you. Sorry. Yeah, right. Okay. Go on. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, but but place has this openness towards it right this this grandeur to it's like even mm. if, you, if you're just thinking about these words as they are yeah um, place itself has this kind of openness towards it that and a greatness that is greater than the self while, while mm. space is mm. more man, you know you can it's manipulate manipulable space, but, mm-hmm. right it's it's quantifiable it's controllable and it gets yep. into a lot of these kind of 
maybe not dualism is not the right word, but these these um, these um, um, well, there is a dialect. Uh, but, yeah, it's a dialectical, a dialectic, a dialectic yeah. right? That these dialectics that we tend to, uh, where it's it's kind of like the like if you think of from Pieper's Leisure: The Basis of Culture, mm. um, the the play between ratio and intellectus, right? That the intellectus mm. is actually the truly human quality, right? Ratio is what quantifies and controls and, and does all the splitting apart. Well, intellectus yep. is the higher function actually, but it's what receives. And yep. is is able to perceive directly in the mind the thing mm. in itself, right? Mm. And so you even actually can see that at play here with those uh, between space and place here. And yep. and this, but this that this dialectic is important because um, it's not saying space is bad, mm. right? It's not just because it it's it is what we do. It's just we have this at least in Catholic circles. I find we tend to see the manipulatable, the quantifiable as therefore the scientific therefore we have to kind of throw it out because not because we're anti-science it's just we're so tired of being um, overwhelmed by the ideology of scientism mm -hmm. and stuff like that right but i think it what you're getting at here with this is can i push back yeah, on that yeah, just sure, a little yeah, bit sure yeah, yeah absolutely so, yeah um so i mean i think you're right in saying that we are uh you know that catholics as uh you know uh Catholics in, in, in the main are tired of this idea of, of scientism and wanting to be resistant to any kind of thing that smacks of scientism. Right. Yet at the same time, though, we have become so influenced by um, the culture around us that when we start trying to engage in that kind of resistance, we start doing so um, uh, by treating by treating the, the, the space as space, you know, in the way that Sato um, describe so we we want to we want to resist control but we do so in a controlling, controlling manner way. yes exactly mm. it's 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 this catholic there's a tendency in, in many catholics to not realize that their push against ideology is often imbued with ideology mm. Mm. right that's right um, um and and this is so no i i actually i would completely agree with you there actually because i think it's it's not and it, i think this kind of plays into how we then approach the internet with this kind of mm. dialectic at play right because mm. I think even Catholics, if they're trying to say, no, we are trying to do this new thing or we're trying to be it, they don't maybe realize how they're actually approaching it with the kind of, with the ideologies at play that they're actually trying to resist against, right? Mm. Like, mm. like I, my, I mean, my favorite example of, of this is, I'm crying, I hope I don't make too many neo-scholastics angry, but it's neo-scholasticism in that it's trying to push against Kantianism and, and pure immanentism doesn't realize that it's Kantian in its method, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And 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 it's this idea. It's this because we have. If you're going to be engaging in the world, you have to recognize that you breathe the world's air, mm. whether you like it or not. And actually, that's part of being Catholic. It's the yeah. two cities. It's the two cities, right? Yeah. yeah. Can I, um, yeah. Uh, at the risk of sounding incredibly mercenary, can I just sort of um, uh, look at a passage um, from? one of the books that I wrote that actually summarizes De Soto's thought, because there, there is, a, there, it, it does touch on a point that you just mentioned, right? And you're going to have um, to name the book so that people can buy it. Oh, yes. Sorry. The name of the book is entitled Justice, Unity, and the Hidden Christ, the Theopolitical Complex of the Social Justice Approach to Ecumenism in Vatican II. Um, <laughs> as you could tell, um, I was a very new academic and was a complete wanker. Um <laughs> What would you I, name that today? What would you name that today? That book. Uh, if I if I had to name uh, rename the book again, I would still call it Justice, Unity, and the Hidden Christ, but just say the social justice approach to ecumenism at Vatican II. There you go. Okay. Mm. There you go. Okay. Oh, so. Yeah. So anyway, um, the the point I wanted to make that touches upon um, uh, something that you just said about this idea that we are influenced by uh, by the culture is. Um, it, there was a passage in there where I actually um, uh, took issue with the idea of the faith, treating the faith as a counterculture. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it um, I'm reading page 69 of the text here, um, where we talk about the idea that the church must work on the, uh, you know, on the basis that it recognizes that it is as a sojourner through the city of man, mm -hmm. the city of God cannot um, occupy space like the city of man, right? The city of right. man um, tries to 
um, you know, is a is a city that tries to control space, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it works in what um, Disserto calls the strategic form of occupying space, which is you know um, uh, trying to measure it, manipulate it, look out for um, you know for, for enemies and bad guys, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? So the church is always moving through the city of man, moving through the space. Mm -hmm. um, uh, occupied by the city of man, and yet at the same time, it, it 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 turns the space into a place, right? Into this intimate uh, place, um, and it receives that place, hmm. right? Um, and and this is what um, this Otto calls the tactical um, way of occupying of occupying space, right? The church recognizes that the that the city of man is not. Um, uh, you know, is is not theirs to control, mm -hmm. right? It's something that is given to, uh, you know, given to the church by God, and therefore the church uh, receives, and it receives with a with a posture of gratitude and playfulness. Okay, now um, to go back to that point about the church being a counterculture, I say that, um, you know, that. Um, the, to call something a counterculture, right, um, actually uh, works on the very idea that the church is there to occupy space, hmm. right? So, mm -hmm. um, so I say, you know, uh, we, we can't be a Christian counterculture precisely because all the space the church operates in, this is me quoting the book here, right? Mm -hmm. Precisely because all of the space the church operates in is controlled by, I'm paraphrasing now, the city of man, right? And also because the church is a polity without borders in the modern sense. As a configuration adopting a tactical mode of being, the church cannot retreat, right? We cannot retreat to become a counterculture because the church is constantly circumscribed by the city of man's strategic domination of social space. Therefore, the church has no place to retreat to. Right. So, in other words, the in other words, to to call the church a a, a counterculture, right, would be to treat the church as um a, as something that occupies space like the city of man. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, this is not to say that the you know that the church must which, must would, which would be which would different. be right. This right. this would be the integralist play, right? This would be the integralist play, right? Yeah, yeah. The integralist play works on the idea of um. The occupation of space, like the city of man, right? Whereas the city of God is still it's countercultural in the sense that it refuse it, it ought to, right? I mean the, the the record of the church has always indicated otherwise, but it ought to uh, renounce um, the the the, the uh, aspirations of the city of man, right? Right, and that is what makes it distinct. <clears throat> that is what makes it countercultural right it is countercultural be precisely because the space that it occupies is something that it recognizes as not theirs to control it is just received and um you know it is received as a and it's not but this is the important part it is received as a gift from god it recognizes that god is the um you know is the lord of um you know of all history and time and therefore all time space and place mm -hmm. right and so this is given by god to the church and the church must receive it right and receive it in a um uh you know using a posture of gratitude playfulness and praise which of course right starts to sound very liturgical and of course that's when the church is most itself got like 20 ideas going through my head here so i gotta mm -hmm. um what's your what's your top three <laughs> well i think the big thing well, the first thing that's going through my head here is just the augustinian play of the two cities here which mm -hmm. i have um, the opinion not that i've read a ton of on this stuff but i'm quick becoming quickly convinced this needs to be this needs to be a part of our theological discourse once again, mm -hmm. um, so that we can understand our our relationship to politics, um, culture, yeah. etc. The second thing that's coming to mind, um, but not, I won't I won't go too much deeper than that with right, that one. The second one that's coming to mind though is around the notion of culture itself, 
and and the church as counterculture in a quasi sense, I guess. Mm. Um, because in a way, then if the if the church doesn't take this kind of, if I'm remembering it right here, this this tactical notion to space, right, where it tries mm. to is that right or is it strategic? No, it's just yeah. strategic. strategic uh, no, it is. It is a tactical as opposed to the strategic. Yes. Okay. The tactical is the one that was that tries to dominate. No, the strategic is the one that tries to dominate. Okay, sorry. So sorry. yeah. So yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, so the, the the strategic approach to space um, that the church kind of removes herself from mm. when she or she and she takes on this way, she becomes less herself. Mm. Um, but w by taking on that tactical notion, she's also then truly Catholic. Mm. She's truly universal. Again, I think um, uh, Remy Bragg has had a lot of very interesting stuff around the notion of the church's Catholicity and culture. And so, and Pieper has had some really interesting things too around this universe and, and, and Henri de Lubac in, in Catholicism, right? Like mm -hmm. that for the church to be truly universal, she actually really does touch all things, which means that she can have no space because she is in a way in, she she because she doesn't she's not there to dominate those spaces but to receive those spaces which then makes it received as a gift and you start to think of like Alexander Schmemann's notion that everything becomes Eucharist where it's all received mm -hmm. as a gift to be transformed to be offered up to the Father in gratitude and yeah. I think that's a really vital thing to keep in mind when it comes to things like the internet and everything that we that, and but also like what the church is so that this like these notions of these um intentional communities that go off into the middle of Texas, for example, not, no particular idea there at all, but you mm. know, uh, <laughs> this is not the cat. This has never been the Catholic way. While, while no. something like the Benedictines, mm -hmm. for example, who do have this, they have stability and everything, but it's my sense of them has always been in my experience with them. Mm -hmm. They do not treat the land as space. It is. Yes, yeah, that's right. It is where it is. It is. It is part of the journey on the way that we are. Mm. We are aliens in a foreign land, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And and yeah, sorry. It right. is. It's a real creative tension because on the one hand, um, you know, on the one hand, the the, the Benedictines are defined by uh, that vow of stability, uh, but the reason why they are stable is not because they occupy the the land strategically. It has nothing to do right? with the land. It has got nothing to do with the land. It's got nothing to do with control. But it has everything to do with their prayer and eternity. And eternity, right? It's got everything to do with their prayer. Their prayer forms the basis of their stability, right? Uh, um, and what is and what is prayer? Prayer basically is the reception of um, the graces that come um, from eternity, right? Um, and yeah. I'm, I'm I did a podcast episode on this very, very, very long time ago. But like mm -hmm. one of my favorite speeches by Pope Benedict, yep is his speech to the representatives of culture in France in 2008 mm -hmm. at one of the old Benedictine abbeys that's now like this culture palace or something like that. And he uses it as an opportunity to reflect on the on whether monasticism has anything to teach the West. Mm. And everything mm. we're talking about, I'm like, wow, now I'm just seeing that whole talk in a whole new light because this whole thing is around the notion of seeking God. Mm, absolutely, right? yep. And so the whole everything, like everything that the monks do, is, and I think this is part of the the space place dialectic at play here, and that the the creative tension for the Catholic. And don't worry, folks, we will bring this back to the internet here in a minute. Mm -hmm. uh, you gotta you gotta set up the foundations first, though, right? It's what good theologians do. Um, oh, I thought the, good theologians were meant to be edgy, so we're not being edgy. Okay, okay, I must remember that. Yeah, carry on. Um, so the. It's it's radically incarnational, right? Mm. Mm. Which, if in a way, you could, I'm perhaps stretching things a little bit here, so please no heresy mm. hunters here on this. But in a way, the incarnation is the perfect union of place and space, mm. without, without, uh, without uh, um, confusion and without separation, right? Yep, yep. And no, I think right. the and I think the monks. Uh, are living this out through liturgy. And, and so these abstract things actually, like, it's what gives their concreteness such reality 
because they're bringing eternity into time. They're bringing God's presence into the mundane, into the farming and all these things. Mm. And everything be, like so these these very mundane things become imbued with eternity and with God's presence because they're able to live this out. They're, they're living out the real heart of Christianity, which mm. the real becomes most real when it's closest to God. When eternity enters into our time most, that's when the physical is its most real. That's when space becomes truly itself in union with place. Mm. Um, yeah. Which is, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's heaven. It's God. God is where everything dwells. And, that's... or sorry, where everything is held in, right? So, this seeking of God that the monks do and why Benedict is trying to get at with that speech is to try to remind Western culture. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fact that he keeps on, he hammers over, over and over and over again. Mm. We do too much. We do not receive enough. Yeah. 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 And, um, sorry, your, your, what you've just said, um, is, is syncing with, um, something that I only just recently read mm-hmm. um, uh, from the um, Communion Liberation um, website. Mm-hmm. It was a um, uh, a Christmas letter mm-hmm. um, that was a Christmas letter that was um, issued by the interim um, president Davide Prosperi. Um, and one, it, it talks about this really interesting thing. You you made a, uh, a mention of the of the part where he says that that um, you know the incarnation is the uh, you know being the coincidence of opposites is the uh, coincidence of of place and space, mm-hmm. right? And and a part of me was just thinking, yes, there's something to that, but why? Why is that the case? And then it just and then it hit me. Um, uh, so this is where the the Christmas letter comes in, right? Um, and I'm just trying to find that that relevant passage here. Um, this is David Prospery, right? He says, I came then to a second response. So he's, he's talking about what is so new about the incarnation, right? Uh, why is the inca- why can the incarnation, something that happened 2,000 years ago, can nonetheless be, um, you know, still be new for us in 2020, uh, 2021, mm-hmm. right, at the time? And he says, I came then to a second response that instead was suggested to me while meditating on a few Christmas homilies by Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. Multiple times, Ratzinger returns as if enchanted to contemplate the paradox of this God who in becoming a baby takes on the garments of a beggar, of the God who without needing anything shows that he thirsts for the love of his creature just like a baby searches for the embrace of his mother. So quoting uh, Benedict XVI, God became a baby, a baby who needs a mother. He became a baby, a creature who enters into the world crying, whose first sound is a cry for help, whose first act is to stretch out his hands in search of security. And again, God became a baby. However, we also hear it said that these things are nothing but sentimentalism and that it would be better to leave them behind. But the New Testament has other ideas on the matter. For the faith of the Bible and of the church it is important that God should have wanted to be a similar creature, dependent on the mother, dependent on the beneficent love of man. Dear friends, these words the Pope Emeritus truly shed new light for me on the moment that we are passing through. Not only does God walk with us, but with an act of even more vertiginous generosity, he entrusts himself to our freedom. He begs for the help of each and every one of us. He hungers and thirsts for our freely spoken yes. So why is the incarnation the coincidence of, of place and space? Because in the same way that um, in the same way that, that you know that God is the Lord of you know time and space, right? He is the one that controls time and space. Mm-hmm. Yet in the incarnation, what does he do? He receives. He he he, and, he uh, adopts the posture of reception right. and receptivity to those that actually to 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 those that may actually like the city of man right uh, be driven by the urge to control and it's but it's flipped it on its head and it's flipped on its head exactly it is precisely in that um, begging for help right the, the, that yeah. that that talks about that God becomes um, uh, becomes the conqueror of of space yeah hmm. but he 
but he conquered. Sorry, that was my long, yeah, that was yeah. my long-winded way uh, response no, to good. one of the points that you made. But that's yeah. good because that means then God conquers the space um, through total self-abandonment. Absolutely. Yeah, and, self- and that is what, and and and, and that is the ta- and that is the epitome of the tactical mode of being, right? Um, so just to reel this back into Disserto again, okay, right? Yeah. Uh, so Disserto, um, you know, so Disserto says that um, you know a, a tactical way of occupying space, right, uh, uh, is actually what he call, he calls this a play, right? Occupying uh, space in a tactical mode is a play and is a play on a terrain that is imposed on it and organized by the law of a foreign power. Hmm. Right. So in other words, um, you know, it recognizes that space is the space is not ours. Right. Uh, or uh, uh, anyone r- occupying uh, a space tactically mm-hmm. recognizes the space is not ours. And because it's not ours, right. It's not ours to take. It can only be received. Hmm. It's given and it has yeah. to be received, right? And this well, then this plays into the whole fall Philippians two five uh, dialectic, right? The fall is the grasping at reality, mm-hmm. right? It's the grasping to power. It's the grasping at godlikeness. Yep. While Philippians, uh, he grasps nothing of himself, not even his divine nature. He divide he, mm. he empties himself, right? Mm. It's the total opposite of what Adam did, uh, so that he can become the true new the second Adam. And so uh it shows that I think everything we're talking about here plays into all these like very ancient dynamics of of man's experience of himself and in the world. And and what Christian and it also like just really starts to make clear just the the power and originality of the Christian message and how mm-hmm. it it can it's never exhausted. Yep. It's never boring, mm-hmm. and it's always new, and yet it's also always, at the same time, always incredibly ancient, right? And, and, and because, like, as we're talking about this, I'm like, man, this is just like unpacking so many new layers around what the redemption is for us. Yeah, that's right. And and in a way, right, it redeems. Uh, you know, Christ redeems not by being, uh, 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 not by being a, a strategic occupier of space. Right. right. Christ redeems by being a paradox, right? The paradox whereby, uh, you know, the, the conqueror become, you know, the conqueror conquers by being conquered. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. 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 And, and so the, the what, and what he receives you know, and he receives the conquering. Like, yes, he's receptive even to that. Mm, that's right. That's right. And, and he's receptive to that, not because, um, you know, not because he is a masochist and wants to, you know, mm-hmm. and is longing for defeat, right? R- but rather because he knows that ultimate sovereignty over the space is, uh, you know, comes from, uh, comes from, from uh, what is truly eternal, right? Mm-hmm. Who gives us the, the space and place, which is God, right? Knowing and, that, and, and, and he does so with the, uh, you know, kind of like with a bet, right? He, mm-hmm. he, he, he allows himself to to be part of a bet, right? That God will uh, vindicate him in his yep. defeat. Yeah. And the beautiful thing in all this too is that he learns all this from his mother. Mm. Absolutely. And his humanity, right? Because mm-hmm. everything we're talking about is equally applicable to Mary. Mm. Um, because she has to. She has to have these qualities so that she can teach him these things in his humanity, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so it it really shows the the kind of Marian priority of the stance towards the world that we need to have, mm. uh, and and really at the heart of the church, right? So then it, it, again, Mary's Mary's whole her whole being is one of receptivity, whereby she re- and it's so receptive. That's beautiful. It's so yeah. open. Mm. The creator of the universe dwells within her womb, right? Mm. Um, that this, in a way, she is receiving the promise we were to have that Adam and Eve tried to take. Yes. Right? That's right. And receiving it in a way that we could ever, more than we could have ever even possibly mm. dreamed of. 
And that what Mary, but here's, and here's the actually even crazier part. What Mary receives in her womb, as beautiful and as dignified as all that is, is in some ways still doesn't compare to what we receive in baptism. <laughs> because baptism literally truly conforms us to Christ. We are in his person. See, his person's mm-hmm. in her. We are in yep. him, right? I mean, mm-hmm. she's in him too now, obviously. But, um, yes. but you know, but it's like, it's just to show like, that's the great gift that even all after all that, like God has given us something even greater in the gift of baptism to receive him. And so this receptive stance is just the vital thing. And I, I kind of want to try and kind of rein us back in towards mm. the uh, the uh, the internet stuff here because yeah. people are like, where are they going with all this? Um, um, but I think all of this is really important because I think this gets the conversation going again around how do we approach the internet? Because mm. and how do we understand the idea of internet between those kind of that 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 dialectic, if you will, of between of uh, can well first I guess maybe the question becomes can the internet be re- experienced as place? Right. No, I think that's a that's a that's a uh, a great question, and I I I. For the longest time, I have to say, uh, you know, just sort of a, a, you know, full disclosure. For the longest time, I was one of those that basically said um, no. But the reason why I said it was because my my mindset was always one of the church as the counterculture, right? Mm. And as a church as a counterculture, it tries to retreat into um, some kind of alternative space. But um, this atoll has kind of um, converted me a little bit in the sense that um, it, it cannot actually, you know, escape into a space because there's no space to escape to, right? So it can only it can only um, move through the space, but in so moving through the space, it redeems it. It redeems the space by turning it into a place, right? So I think the uh, so the, the this is my roundabout way of, of answering your question in that mm-hmm. uh, is that the internet um, the internet has to be recognized as one of the outposts of the city of man. Mm-hmm. I think we we can't uh, you know we can't mince words about that. It is yeah. part of the city of man, but just because it is the city of man doesn't mean that we avoid it. Right, the, right. the city of God cannot avoid the city of man. Yeah. It moves through the city of man. <laughs> Yeah, um, and in moving through the city of man, it redeems the city. So this is, yeah, I wasn't going to say it earlier, but now I am because uh, mm-hmm. um, this is this is why I think Augustine's two cities theology is is so vital and so important. Absolutely, uh, yes. because we do not see the world in this way at all. No. Um, we. Uh, um, um, we have not been trained to. No, we've not been trained right. to, and so mm. we've we've see Augustine's notions is that it's a recognition that the church not not only will exist in a fallen world and even mm-hmm. depends upon it for her sustenance and existence, and she cannot be without the fallen without the city of man. Yep, it's actually impossible. That's right. That's right, but that and that this plays into the wheat and the tares in the church. That the church is, the the church by being so. There's a real closeness, if you will, between church and world in Augustine's mm. theology. That doesn't confuse the two either, though, right? Like it's it's subtle. It's no, so subtle. that's it's right. Like, it's actually it's good incarnation. It's good Christology, right? Mm-hmm. It, it they're they're close, but they're not confused. But but they're also yep. not completely separated. And, and so, lies, yep, sorry, sorry. Yep. It's, the, it's paradoxical thinking again, right? This mm. is so important. But I guess where it gets to this is that this is, we do not, Catholics absolutely do not think this way. We, yeah. we do not think this way at all. And this is, I think, a big problem because, and I, oh man, I really don't want to bring it around to this, but people are going to, because I don't, I, we're probably tired of hearing about it, but this is actually part of how the church develops her moral thinking. Okay. She recognizes that the world is imperfect and that there are often even not there are often immoral actions that happen that bring about the goods we use in the world mm. right mm. This, this is that's a fact right. like that's right so i mean the the, the technology you and i are using right now mm-hmm. i i am certain part of what we have 
is the fruit of slave labor in China and stuff like this, right? Mm. Um, and it's actually part of how we can get it so cheaply and stuff like this, right? Yeah, um, yeah. These are, these are, and those are more questions that always need to be discussed, but also at the same time, we're like, there, there's not this, there, the, the church recognizes that this is a messy place and that we are not morally culpable for mm-hmm. every immoral action that we participate, that, that, that we, that the product, products of the world that we receive and participate in aren't um we're not always going to be more responsible for this yeah yeah and this, this is, can i just oh, yeah, sorry yeah, go, yeah, can go, i just no, come go. at this yeah. from another angle too yeah um you know to and and this in a way also kind of is wanting to tie back to the idea of um uh you know um the Catholic Twitterverse, right, and and how Catholics occupy internet spaces. The mistake that um, you know that a lot of Catholics make. I myself, and I include myself in in, yeah. in it. Yeah, we all like, do it. And that is and that is the mistake of saying, yes, the world is messy, so let's be messy with it. Yeah. Um, in the sense that we lose, we we stop we stop thinking in terms of paradox, right? Um. And so to bring this back to the idea of space and place, um, if we recognize that the church, we as members of the church occupy um, the city of man who occupies the space strategically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if we lose that sense of paradox, we would then start thinking in terms of, well, since we are in the city of man, uh, let's occupy this space strategically like the city of man, right? Um, let us have a king to fight our wars, just like the other nations, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that and that's what happens when we, uh, you know, that's what happens on on um, the Catholic Twitterverse, um, uh, you know, where we are wanting to be, you know, we are wanting to ha- have Christian witness, but we want to have Christian witness as members of the City of Man, right? Mm-hmm. We want to have cr- Christian witness strategically. Mm-hmm. Right. We want to uh, to do so in a, you know, we want to dominate. Right. We want to control. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I, I uh, you know, I just came across, uh, found the line that I was, I was trying to look for in um, uh, Augustine City of God. Right? Mm-hmm. It says that when, when we try to aim at domination, right, uh, we become dominated by that very lust of domination. Yes. Yes. Right. And it's, so in other words, the the aim to defeat is self-defeating. If yeah. you're a Christian, the aim to defeat is self-defeating. If if and if Augustine is right, and I think he is. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, no. Hmm. So this so I guess the question becomes like because I agree with you. I think I think and this is the problem we even when it comes to communities uh, online and, and, and on Twitter, and this is not just obviously exclusive to Catholics. This is just a, a general tendency. And I think it actually is a sign of our, the fact, like it shows you just how new the internet really is for its moral mm-hmm. reflection and everything. We, I think when something this new comes along, even yep. for Catholics, we have a tendency mm-hmm. to act according to the city of man. Yes. And not the city of God. And yep. so it's not surprising to see uh, these behaviors kind of come out. However, I think the time is here now for us to start to think like the question that it keeps on this kind of pestering my mind is what does a receptive stance, a playful stance, and even a liturgical stance to the internet look mm. like, like mm. not that I'm trying to be pragmatic cause I tend to hate pragmatism, but yeah. um, um, you know, boo pragmatism. Um, but there has like what we have to start developing a vision of what this looks like so that mm. we uh, like so for example i think and i think i think for me that the big thing that is it's how to because if we if we can start to actually see the internet from this receptive stance mm. that's going to start to color how we see the person because yeah right so mm. it's mm. true i think and i think we also have to recognize that there are absolutely limitations to the technology there is something about that embodied presence mm-hmm. um in front of someone like two bodies in the same presence mm. how to encounter each other is different right yeah yeah not just not just experientially but it's also like phenomenologically psychologically all that stuff um but the fact is 
even though you're tweeting at some random avatar of a guy in a knight's uh, costume that says, you know, bong pope for 20. Um, the, the, the fact not is, referring to anyone in particular at no. all. Watch, I, 20 bucks says there's someone with the app <laughs> bong pope for 20. Um, the fact is that's a person. Mm. Right. Um, at least I hope it is. I hope it's not a bot. Uh, <laughs> how do I be receptive to this person? And how do I, how do I not exercise dominance in this so that I can help this become more of an encounter with place that allows the playfulness of eternity to start to imbue it? Yeah. Which I mm-hmm. think becomes the real moment that evangelization actually starts online. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right, and I think a lot of it um, hinges upon as you as you were talking. Um, the word that comes to mind that constantly came to mind is the idea of listen, listening. Right. Sorry, what? Listening? Huh? Listening? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I know <laughs> that's one. bad. I know. We've never heard that one before. Uh, Sorry, um, but yeah, uh, it's the idea of you know if if you know what. Listening is a form of receptivity, so that's one thing. The other one uh, word that uh, also comes to mind is the idea of attentiveness, right? Because attentiveness is uh, is a, actually a uh, it's not my gaze focusing on you as a means of controlling, you know, the object that I am looking at. It's more a uh, a posture of receiving, right? Um, what has been given to me. A posture of receiving the uh, the concreteness of the object, right? And then of course, if you do that, it's a form of charity, right? This is why um, Simone Weil says, um, you know, attentiveness is the greatest form of charity. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, you know those two things, right? Uh, a kind of listening as opposed to making assertions, and a kind of attentiveness as opposed to, I know this is very bad for us as podcasters and bloggers to uh, to say, you know, uh, but a kind of uh, attentiveness as opposed to zipping off from one um, subject to another in the name of making content. Says um, the guy who cited his own book earlier. Says the guy that cited my, my, my own book. That's right. I did say, right? I did say that uh, that I am a part of the city of man. Yes, this is true. This is true. Um, <laughs> no, this is this is good. I, I I would agree with you, and I think at the same time, it's also about like I think that receptive stance is not just then towards the person, but even towards the reality of the internet itself. And I use that word mm. reality on purpose. It yep. is real. This is, is real. This is not. And I think part of this, like the reason I, I said on the podcast that last time about why I think we don't we don't think it real enough. And part is because I think in at least in terms of church leadership we still tend to see this as unreal like uh, or virtual or whatever as if mm. vert and the, the sense of virtual gives a sense of imit uh, of not imitation but um uh, imagination and, and 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 fleetingness and 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 like going off into the to the ether sphere or whatever right like it's just mm. it's, it's mm. there's a there's a non-reality to it there's a, there's something dreamy and imaginary about it yeah that's not the fact that's and if, and the fact is this is where a majority of people spend a majority of their time right mm. um the internet is is so impo- like it's such a part of our life now we need to recognize it as real which means mm-hmm. that even in our appro- approach to it uh, Actually, this is always a small question for me. Does the technology itself encourage domination? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, techne and technique, right? Te- is, exactly. Yeah, is, yeah. Is, is is a question that's hanging in my head there with that. But at the same time, it's just if it's real, then that means my fundamental stance as a Christian towards it has to first be something receptive, mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. just towards the person I'm interacting with, but to the technology and the reality itself. So that I can see this as somewhere where I can go play. Yes, that's right. And it's um, but and you receive it, um, you know, and you receive it as a gift from God. And I think that's the that is the key, the key component, right? It's um, receiving it uh, as a gift from a divine transcendent source. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than trying to control it as an imminent source 
wanting to be divine. Hmm. Right. Hmm. So, and I think that's the, and I think that therein lies the, you know, therein lies the, 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 the crux of what I think is the problem uh, for, you know, for uh, Catholic, in, let's just call it Catholic internet, right? It, and and I'm, I still kind of think differently from you mm-hmm. on this in the mm-hmm. sense that um, I, I actually still do think that Catholics treat um, the internet as a real place, but mm-hmm. because they treat it as a real place, they then um, default to, well, let's, let's not say they, we then default to um, treating it as a place for us to control. Right. right, because we because we are not thinking in terms of uh no, not thinking in terms of uh uh the logic of the incarnation. The logic right. of the incarnation is always paradoxical. Right. I guess when I was talking about it being, or they would approach it as not real. I, I guess my sense was, uh, now that I've had time to put more words to this idea, mm-hmm. um, is that if they approach it as real, they would be approaching it more receptively. Yes. And more liturgically. That's right. At the, but at the same time, I will still actually make the strong argument that I think at least in terms of like church leadership, mm-hmm. uh, at least um, those who have the authority to help guide Catholic behavior and, and form Catholic behavior uh, with the internet, i.e. magisterium and stuff. I still mm-hmm. think there, I, I, I was even reading a, a comment from, and it was not a magisterial statement. It was just like some, something that Pope Francis had said. So, you know, it's not magisterial. I'm allowed to disagree. Um, um, or he said something like that community online community is not real. I'm like, yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> mm. it is. It is real. It's maybe not the realest real, but it's real because it's an interaction of persons. It's a sharing of life. Um, and so there's just this tendency to still like, to just avoid all the internet and all it brings amongst mm. ecclesial leadership because we've we have it essentially we have not allowed the reality of the incarnation to imbue our approach to the internet mm. in magisterial teaching yeah and i think that lies at the heart of the problem we do we are we are not thinking incarnationally not just mm-hmm. in terms of the internet i think in yeah. in, in a, quite Everything. a number of of areas we are yeah. not thinking incarnationally or and you could say we're we're, we're not thinking sacramentally we are not if you're, if you're, if, if you're gonna push a book question mark. If you're, you're gonna push a book, I'm gonna push a book. That's right. We are not thinking in the same way that Father Harrison posits in his book Mysterion. Question mark. You mean we are not meant to act as agents for our own advertising? Question mark. Mysterion. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I yeah, but no, this is the thing, but sacramentality, incarnation. All of this is the logic of the coincidence of opposites mm. that allow for a union without separation or confusion. Yeah, this paradoxical thinking is at the and it's, it's at the heart of the Catholic life, um, mm. um, and that's why we need to really allow this to imbue everything we say and are as Catholics. And we need to, but it's hard. It's hard. It's a hard thing to form in because the world does not think paradoxically. It thinks either. Mm-hmm in in dialectic or in other forms of thought which can't allow for two things to exist at the same time yeah right and and this i think this is actually this actually is another example where catholics are actually quite modern in their approach to the internet uh, or mm-hmm. really or rather city of manish or or dominating towards it in that you have to agree with my camp or else mm. it's like you're not Catholic then, are you? Because what you're proposing is not necessarily universal to the church. But if you're not in my camp about altar rails, then you aren't Catholic enough. Mm-hmm. You have you are being modern. You're a modernist. Yep. Modernism. Stop being a mm-hmm. modernist. Um, but it's a sign that we have, and I think this is the, I think for me this is the great sadness and all. It is kind of one of the reasons I did write the book. Um, Mysterio. Mysterio. I like that actually. It's fun. Um, <laughs> when you allow paradoxical, like we need to allow this to happen. We, 
we keep on looking to these exterior things as if they're the real problem. It's mm-hmm. the Pope. It's the bishops. It's this political person. It's this. It's that. It's this in the liturgy. Mm-hmm. We refuse to look at our heart to see how we have rejected the reality of the incarnation in our own life and in our own thinking and our own spirit. And we refuse to accept the fact that we are more modernist than we are Catholic, even if we are trad. Yes. I am or liberal or liberal yep. or liberal, right? They're both, they're yep. both, they're both the no, two sides of the same coin or, or conservative. Yes. Yes. All of it. Hmm. Because all of those are labels that aren't that refuse to acknowledge the one label that's necessary, Catholic. Do you have any parting words before we start to wrap it up? Any any last thoughts on this topic? Because we've been going for an hour. That's true. Mysterion. Um, do I have any parting words? Well, I guess the part, part, one of the parting words, is, you know, that I'll have is um, embrace the paradox, man. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. So uh, where can uh, people find you? Where can they buy your products? Where can they dominate the economic sphere? Right. Uh, you can... So, that, uh, where, so they, can, they can help you receive. Oh, absolutely. Right. It's all, it's all, it's all, for, the, it's all for the tactical. Yes. Right? <laughs> it's all about the place, man. You can find me on Twitter at Asian Theologian, uh, on Instagram at Awkward Asian Theologian, and you can find my blog at awkwardasiantheologian.com. Um, my books are um, Redeeming Flesh, The Way of the Cross with Zombie Jesus, um, and Justice, Unity, and the Hidden Christ, uh, both of which can be found um, uh, wherever you can find uh, books online. And I highly encourage you to read, uh, go to his books, his blog, everything. Matt is a delight to read, and I enjoy every time he has anything to say. His his approach to these things using postmodern categories just makes it so fascinating. I think it actually really speaks a language that is really speaking to the hearts of many people today. So, um, Matt, thank you for coming on. This was this was a lot of fun. Thank you very much, uh, Father Harrison. This has been great. Thank you, everyone, for listening. God bless, and we will see you soon. A good evening to everyone.